still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Yeah, it was a tough one. It was, uh, you know, we're always looking to be positive on this podcast, but um, that was, yeah, about as bad as it gets in in parts, but um, full house at the wreck. Um, so some stuff to, to cling on to, and I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll find those things as we go through. Yeah, a really tough uh, Saturday of rugby, a really tough rewatch for sure. Um, Bath's defeat, twenty points to ten at home to Newcastle in the first home game with fans. And Tom, neither of us were able to be there on Saturday. So what we thought would be a great idea is to get a friend of the podcast and season ticket holder Andrew back on the podcast at the start here, just to before we dive into the details of the match, where it went, where it went wrong, um, and then look ahead to to the the trip to Ashton Gate on Friday, we thought we'd just talk about what it was like being back at the rack and the match day experience and then a little overview of Andrew's thoughts of the game. So Andrew, great to have you back on. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, really good. And how, was, good. how was the rack on Saturday? I guess setting aside the rugby, how was it like being back there? What was the atmosphere like? What was the match day experience like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was buzzing in town before the game. Um, obviously, been to many a home game in my time, and I'm just trying to think back to a time where the town was so full of blue, black and white shots. I simply can't remember it. It was amazing. The pubs were full of fans. People were really happy. You're going into the, uh, the swift half, and it was such a great atmosphere and such a positive atmosphere. I think... Um, Charlie Yules um, did an absolute blunder with the stats saying it was 575 days since we were all last at the wreck. And you could really see that there's a lot of pent-up excitement for people being there. And, you know, just being sat in that stadium again, in my seat, looking around at the incredible setting that is the wreck, it was just stuff that gives you goosebumps and, and felt really special. Um, and the atmosphere, I don't think came across on the TV, but it was absolutely brilliant. Pretty much every seat was, was taken bar one or two few people I think got stuck with some horrendous traffic in Bath, which if you haven't heard about it, uh, the guys uh, in Bath Council would be a great idea to organise with the university or the freshers to turn up. So it took us nearly two hours to find a parking space and we arrived three hours early. So after that, it was uh, yeah, a bit of a challenge for I think a lot of people to get in. But yeah, really, really positive and it was uh, you know, uh, quite a special experience. And Tom, what was it like watching watching the game and, and seeing fans back in, in the wreck for you? Yeah, it's great, isn't it, to see the, the blue, black and white uh, shirts packed into the stands and the flags. And yeah, I, 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 I did notice the, you know, the atmosphere a couple of times. I mean, the, you know, at times the wreck hasn't been kind of the cauldron of noise that potentially some other stadiums are. And I mean, that probably is reflective of some of the, the brand of rubber we've been playing, but... Yeah, I noticed particularly in that second half when we started the, you know, that comeback and we were, you know, 10 points behind um, and kind of going for that losing bonus point, the win was kind of still still potentially on the cards. And we had those couple of half chances, half breaks. And I think that was when you really noticed kind of the noise start to build. Um, and for anyone who's who's kind of been at the wreck, kind of the the kind of stamping on the um, on the stands, which always makes a really good noise on the 
the temporary stands, which certainly gives me kind of a lot of a lot of memories over the years. So yeah, I think it, it definitely came across. Um, and I think it seemed like the players were genuinely kind of buoyed by that in that in that second half during the, during that comeback. So yeah, brilliant to see brilliant to see fans back. And yeah, look forward to be um, to be back there myself in in a couple of weekends' time. What what was the atmosphere like, Andrew? As as it did start to to unravel though in in the first half in particular, and then a, a kind of lack of urgency was was certainly frustrating me in, in, in towards the end of that second half. Was there were people just had, happy to be back and seeing rugby, or, or were fans disappointed that that we weren't beating a side that we we were really fancy to? Yeah, to be honest, it's a bit of a shame that the players didn't take all the energy in the stands and put it onto the pitch. And, and credit to Newcastle, I think they did a really good job of halting that early momentum and positive energy. Uh, and after, I think it was the first 10 minutes, it's pretty much scrum after scrum after scrum, reset after reset. And that really took the stuffing out of the fans. And to be honest, it didn't take very long for the negativity and, and the comments that I'm sure we've all heard on, on the terraces to come back uh, among, among the group, especially frustration with, with Craig Maxwell Keys, uh, with a lot of people around me. During the day, I've, you know, having watched the game back, I don't think the decisions were, were too contentious um, on, on replay. But definitely, it was getting a lot of people um, quite negative, and it only took about ten minutes for that good sentiment to, to kind of evaporate. <laughs> it was a it was about as dire a start as you could have hoped for from a you know a homecoming game with fans back, spilt yeah. ball, hacked down the ground, and then we we had a few penalties at the scrum, and we're really lucky to be honest to get the wheeled scrum turnover and then the penalty go away. But yeah, I think I started to, there were starting to be a few kind of boos reverberating around the wreck, which um, probably wasn't the, um, you know, the exact start that, that Bruce Craig and co had in mind. Mm, 515 days to to build the goodwill sentiment and and feeling of looking forward to 10 minutes of reset scrums for it to be shattered (laughs) I guess guess that's just rugby and then then just quickly Andrew what was your kind of main takeaway um, before before we say goodbye and you go and have to care to your your newborn what was your main takeaway from from being at the wreck and, and watching what was ultimately a really disappointing defeat uh, I think it felt like towards the end, uh, and to Tom's point earlier, there were positive signs. And whenever we started having, um, you know, some positive moments to our play, the crowd really got behind the team. And uh, I think that was really good to see. So I think there were some green shoots. I think the one thing that really stood out to me there more than anything was around pre-season. Newcastle looked sharper and it looked like they wanted it more. And those automatisms in our play just simply weren't there. Mm. The amount of, you know, um, uh, passes that were to shins or behind other players and, and things just really weren't clicking. And I think that's the one thing that I took away is that cohesion uh, in our gameplay probably wasn't where we needed to be. Um, Newcastle also wanted it more than us. Um, that was really clear. They were a lot more aggressive, especially in that first half and kind of knocked us off of our feet a bit. Um, and uh, I kind of feel like that we probably should have been a bit more resilient. Um, in certain moments, especially in the scrum, I thought Schumann had a really tough first half. Um, he seems to only play well whenever there's hard ground underneath, underneath his feet. It's my dad's point. He's not too sure that's something in South Africa. They're not used to having rain and, and muddy ground, but he did seem to lose his footing quite a bit. Um, and I think also Orlando Bailey was much stronger in the second half, but probably was a bit conservative with his kicking. And, you know, will hopefully just grow into that into that 10 shirt throughout the season with, with, with more minutes under, under his belt. Um, but yeah, I guess a frustrating start to the first half, as was last week, but second half was positive and the fact that we got a losing bonus point out of that is, you know, is a godsend really. Um, 
have you given me that option at the end of the first half when it bits your hand off? I think it was 20 points to three. So, you know, um, you know, tough result, but ultimately some, some green shoots and hopefully we can take that into the coming games. Yeah, a real, real tough day for sure. Um, a tough day in the end for, for Bath fans and all those Bath fans like you, Andrew, that made the trip, but hopefully some, some brighter days ahead. Thank you very much for joining us and, and kind of look forward to having your input throughout the season on the podcast. And there he goes. Big thank you to Andrew for joining the Bath Rugby Plug. Uh, and great to have someone that was at the rec, Tom, on Saturday. Uh, we unfortunately weren't able to. Um, I was actually playing my first game of the season. And, and at times, re-watching that Bath game, I felt like the quality of rugby I was playing was almost as good as, <laughs> as, what, we, as what we saw at the rec on, on the rewatch tonight. A pretty dismal showing, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was a dire game overall. Um, you know, error strewn by by both sides, really, but but particularly Bath, penalty after penalty, um, a lot of the time just unforced and just those kind of brainless penalties, those coach killers, as they, as they kind of like to say. Um, a lot of kind of time, not time wasting, well, you could call it time wasting, but sort of time spent resetting scrums, picking mud out of, out of studs, and generally... Um, as you can tell by my tone of voice, it was lacking in energy for kind of you know a lot of the game, and not the best advertisement for Premiership rugby. And to be honest, for some fans who would have been going you know back to the wreck as as kind of something new to do as we kind of emerge from from lockdown. So yeah, not the not 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 the best game of rugby. And I think you know getting getting into the game, parts of that first half. I think were about as bad as we've seen in 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 the last few few seasons. Um, I mean, it just looked like like schoolboy stuff. And at times, you made Newcastle, who, let's be honest, will probably finish lowish table, mid to lowish table. We made them at times a young Newcastle side look like world beaters, um, which was which was kind kind of impressive on our part, shall we say? It was, yeah, the first 20 minutes were appallingly bad. Like, appall- I've, I've not seen us play that bad in, I honestly think I can see us play not that badly. Like, we've been thrashed by teams and, and kind of, you know, looked all at sea. But just the errors, I don't think we did anything well in that, that first 20 minutes. Like, I think started with a spill ball, kick through, and then two scrum penalties we conceded, six minutes of restart. Underhill then went off. We missed our first line out. Um, two phases after that, Radwan breaked a completely disjointed line and scored. Um, we then give away two penalties immediately after the next restart. Schumann missing a, a shocking clear out. Then we knock on from the next restart after that. And then from the, the, the scrum that resulted in that knock on, we give away a free kick. And then on 21 minutes, Bailey missed a kick at goal. In that first 21 minutes, I honestly, I tried to jot down things that I thought we did well. And I honestly don't think we did anything well. And, and, and Newcastle, who I thought were, were pretty poor on the day as well, somehow found themselves 8-0 up having done very little and, and, and been gifted, well, not even gifted, just Bath couldn't, couldn't get out of their own way. And, and yeah, it, it was dismal rugby, that, that first half. Yeah, and it probably should have been more than 8-0. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, I mentioned it earlier on the, on the podcast, but I mean, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that series of scrums um, when, you know, Johannes Jonker was on the end of a real hiding from, from Adam Brocklebank. Um, yeah, yeah. <sighs> 
he doesn't look like he's dealing particularly well with, I think, the physical requirements of, of being a tight head in the, in the Premiership. And I think there was a little bit of, of, of kind of that narrative building and Brocklebank kind of going around the side and wheeling the scrum. Um, but yeah, I think it was four or five scrum penalties in that first half alone. You know, it's an area that we highlighted as a concern from pre-season. Um, last, uh, you know, the, 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 the first, first run out wasn't particularly good either. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a massive area of concern. And I think we were lucky in that first part of the game to get that turnover and to manage to kind of clear our lines because Carl Ferns looked like he, he, you know, he, he could have been, could have been given that, that try. But you know, it's, it's the same old issues. Uh, it's, it's discipline. Um, it's those unforced penalties that, that, that we gave away a lot of the time, not knowing when to compete at the breakdown. You know, we barely competed at the breakdown all game, but a couple of, penalties at the breakdown that were that were just kind of brainless and and, and poor um and then yeah as i say just just the defense same old story disjointed um dog-legged no communication i mean that that radwan try was just just awful and you know you'd you'd almost think looking at that that we didn't have a defense coach um <laughs> but yeah I, I yeah i i don't want to dwell on this and and you know bring everyone down but it was it was it was it was dreadful and, and you just don't deserve to win a rugby game when you only play well for sort of 20 25 minutes of it um, well i did well come on second half i don't I think we played well for even 25 seconds of of, of this game I, I i kind of think it was it was that bad and and yeah there were, there was some of the the same old issues as you've highlighted but i think there there was also a, a big issue with our performance in, in the first half and and this is kind of really difficult to to get right i think that this criticism because I think the the halfbacks looked really inexperienced and almost a little bit out of their depth, and that is because yeah. they are they are inexperienced and they they probably are a little bit out of their depth at Premiership level because they just haven't had the game time. And 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 this, this is not to say that that Fox and, and Bailey can't be fantastic players for Bath. I, I really do think they can, and there's been glimpses from from both of them. That, that suggests that, that, they, that they're close to that. But I thought in particular that first half, that they, they, both, really, they both really struggled. Um, yeah. I thought, you, I thought it, I saw a Bath Rugby tweet that I think I thought was going to trigger you massively. And it was uh, you know, all about congratulations for Ollie Fox, to Ollie Fox on his first, his first premiership start. And like to your point last week, why that? Why the hell is it his first Premiership start? Uh, you know, when we've we've only got Max Green in 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 the wings. So, um, sorry, go on. Yeah, and I just think it was kind of from the off that spill ball we've touched on was was from Bailey trying to offload it when yeah. it really wasn't there, uh, and then we were unable to clear our lines from that ruck and it just looked really disorganised and, and that's ultimately the, the job of the scrum half. You know, I mentioned Bailey's missed kick. He also dropped a ball, um, you know, a, a pretty simple catch later on in the yeah. game and, and I thought Fox's defence for the second try, the pick and go that scored in the corner was 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 a little too weak um, and I know it's a difficult a, a tackle to make with a, with a winger who, who finished it really nicely but I, but I thought that that wasn't really that. Well, that wasn't good enough, and and it's difficult because there's that, that you know they they weren't expecting to be playing starting these games. You know, the two injuries to Spencer and Cipriani, I think, are already starting to, to to cost us. Definitely, I mean, you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago on the preseason podcast, and a lot of what we spoke about, um, a lot of our hopes centered around you know mm-hmm. those two guys, Spencer and and Cipriani. You know, 
and well, we know what we're getting from Spencer and we were wanting to find out what we could get from Cipriani and the reality is we, we, you know we're getting no game time from either of them um, you know Spencer in particular being out until November December time um, that you know that's just that's you know that's that's huge as we said last week and you know we've all got to get behind Ollie Fox Max Green um, and kind of I think Hooper needs to work out which one of those guys he he goes with over the next few weeks um, and and those guys will will only improve but yeah I, I agree I don't think the halfbacks had had particularly good games um, I think when you've got one inexperienced halfback with maybe a more experienced partner you know they can kind of talk them through the game they can um, take responsibility as well yeah and also control the pace of the game a bit. I felt like at times they were both trying to be quite frantic. And, you know, that probably stems from this David Williams new style of play and wanting to play from anywhere, heads up rugby. But, you know, I remember one Max Green pass, it kind of went into two men and the guys kind of ran into each other and we just looked so disorganised. So um, I think missing both of the experienced halfbacks is making us a little bit kind of frenetic at times. And so fingers crossed, you know, Cipriani comes back in and can sort of act as that um, that calming influence a little bit um, to to you know to Ollie Fox or, or Max Green. Mm, yeah, and another try for Newcastle on 37 minutes with, oh, so with, with, with yet more um, inexplicably bad. Well, maybe you can explain it. Maybe, maybe the fact that we don't have a defence coach is the explanation for for, for that defence. But yeah, straight from from a line from a line on the 22 to, to, for the hooker to run in pretty much untouched is is, is yeah pretty inexcusable at a Premiership level. Left us 23 20 points to three down at half time, and and about as bad as I I think I've I've seen us play and. I've probably said that a few times recently, but but watching it this evening, Tuesday, kind of completely almost emotionless and just watching two rugby teams, the, the quality of rugby from, from pretty much both sides, but but in particular Bath was was terrible in, in that first half. Tom, do you think it got any better in, in the second half? Not initially. Um, we changed both props, uh, which I I think was very, very much needed at that point in time. Um, but to be honest, that didn't really improve things, particularly at, at scrum times. Jean Schumann failed to have the the world class impact that he did um, that, <laughs> that 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 he did last week. Um, and yeah, as I say, initially initially it was kind of quite poor, and we had that consistent string of penalties um, in our own twenty two, which led to the Miles Reed Simbin. And to be honest, ultimately the reason, the only reason that Newcastle didn't extend their lead at that point in time was just some some pretty poor accuracy. I mean, a, a knock-on in close quarters um, and then an overthrown line-out, I believe it was, directly after the the Reed-Simbin. And again, it kind of goes back to, to, to the point we made last week. A better team probably would have would have, would have have put us away and, and sealed the deal at, at that point in time. You know, 27 points to three um, is fairly kind of insurmountable, insurmountable at that point. So um, not initially is my answer. Well, mm. yeah, I mean, I don't think it did for the whole forty minutes. To be honest with you, uh, I really don't. I mean, when, when okay, when when did we play well? At what point did we actually play well? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a. There was no kind of. Um, no, we 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 were we scored a try. Okay, from a, we got into their twenty-two from a, from a pretty dubious penalty that we were given. Okay, and we and we scored a try. But yeah, I think relatively speaking, we we were, we were better. 
I mean, you know, maybe play well would be a, a stretch, but I think we were better. You know, there were a few nice bits of interplay with Max Joma, who was the standout player by, by a long way. Oh, he, he, gave, he gave the ball with, he, he linked in with Tom de Glanville a couple of times. Um, and and Rocket Aguni ended Rocket up in butchering. Sorry? Sorry, Tom, I don't want to interrupt you, but, you know, we did link a couple of times quite nicely, but ended up butchering all of those chances. So, so I don't yeah, think that, that's a sign of good rugby. No, it's not good rugby, but I, what I guess what I'm saying is it was better than the first half. At least we were, at least we had ball in hand. Um, at least we are creating some kind of opportunities, albeit, like you say, I mean, the Max Clark two-on-one was, 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 was awful, to be honest. I mean, that's, that's such a straightforward two-on-one. Um, Rocket Aguni dropped the ball um, towards the end of the end of the um, towards the end of the game in that in that corner, um, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, those those kind of breaks in those breaks of the line and and when when Max Dremer had the ball in hand, they didn't really look like leading to anything. Um, it kind of looked a bit more kind of pie in the sky, um, chuck the ball around and see what happens. But no, I still think that we we improved. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not material enough to deserve to, to to win the game or to really give me much optimism um, going forwards. Mm. And I think just if you looked at it without really focusing in on the game, I think you could say we defended well with 14 men, not to concede with 14 men was good. And, and we defended well to to kind of keep Newcastle at bay in, that, in, 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 that, in the start of that second half. But I really do think that that, that was down to, to Newcastle errors. And, and what really frustrated me you know, the most, probably not even the most, but what really frustrated me in that last 10 minutes was just, there seemed a real lack of urgency to, to everything we did. There was a number of times when when we just kicked the ball away and I know that they do want to play in the right areas and I know that this 50-20-22 rule, they want to try and exploit that. But I just felt like we could have played a bit quicker and to credit to Newcastle that they slowed the game down really effectively and Keyes wasn't on it enough to, 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 to stop them doing that but I just felt like we lacked any sort of urgency in that second half and were frankly lucky to, to come away with, with just a losing bonus point. Yeah and I think you know it's all very well as we've said before chucking the ball out wide and um, we've clearly got guys who are really adept at doing that but to me it feels like you know, it's a phrase that you like to use, but to me, it feels like we weren't really earning the right to go wide at all. Um, I mean, Benno had a particularly quiet, quiet 40 minutes when he came on. And so that being said, we didn't really have a carrier in that, in that front eight. Um, you know, I think it's very strange, the back row balance that, that Stuart Hooper has, has gone with in these, these first two games playing Josh Bayless at eight. It's almost feels to me like one of those situations where, you want to get him in the team somehow because they like him and they see him as a bit of kind of a, um, you know, a future leader of the club and that kind of thing. But he's not a number eight for me. He's a, he's a number six or possibly a, a number seven. He doesn't, he doesn't carry in heavy traffic in a way that, you know, Zach Mercer used to do, Falatau does for Wales and the Lions. Um, and, um, and, uh, and Jacko Kutsia will hopefully, hopefully do for us as well. So um, I think that was wrong. And I think we're also... We're way too soft up front at the moment, and we've we've spoken about the guys, Will Stewart um, in particular, Lewis Boyce, who we want back. But one guy for me that I think think we're missing is Josh McNally. Um, he's at times been that kind of hard nosed guy that that we need, you know, kind of uncompromising, um, and also has got kind of leadership experience, which I think has looked to be severely lacking. 
um, to be to be quite honest in 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 those first few games. So um, not excuses because every every team um, every team is is hampered with with various injuries and people not being available. And obviously we've got our internationals as well. But I think those are a couple of guys that 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 you know. Hopefully, and I'm clinging on to anything I can get. Hopefully, would would kind of Im, Im, improve things a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think the, lack, the a lack of an out an out and out second row to to partner the frankly ineffective mules is is huge at the moment. And and I think it was particularly strange when Underhill went off that they brought on Ellis and not Kutsia. I, I agree that that was. That was both, um, you know, you know that apparently, was, Elliot, apparently Elliot Stoot looked really good for uh, as well. Yeah. Anyway, right. Let's. I, I feel like this is probably maybe one of the the, the, the most negative twenty minutes we've we've um, spent, Tom. So, so why don't I brighten that that frown up and, and ask you to to comment on the performance of of Max Ajoma, who who was the man in the match from the Bath perspective, without a shadow of a doubt. Brilliant, isn't he? He's you know. <laughs> He's really building quickly as well on the promise he showed at the end of last season, um, and then also, um, you know, you know, well, you know, this season today against against Sale um, up at Sale last weekend, he looks really dangerous with with ball in hand. He's he's genuinely kind of a, a triple threat. Uh, he can kick um, as he did quite effectively. Um, he can he can pass, and obviously he's really really dangerous, quick. Um, you know, acceleration and powerful with with ball in hand, as he showed to kind of kind of take his try. Um, but also, I think one thing that I'd say, and I don't think we've seen this as much from him, was his his work in defence. Um, you know, he was kind of one of the standout guys, I think, along with Miles Reed, um, uh, Josh Bayless, who was and Tom Dunn, obviously, who was who was putting in some some pretty big shots in in the midfield. Um, and you know, he's, he's 21 years old. And he's already listed on the on the Bath website as 98 kilograms, which is a big old slice for 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 a 21 year old. Um, you know, he's seven kilograms heavier than Jonathan Joseph, to put that in in context. And the same as Will Muir, who we know can be kind of you know a, a very very powerful very powerful guy. So um, yeah, he's he's developing into into a great all round player. Um, and I think he's he's with, with a few with a few options in that in that 12 shirt. Max Clark coming on, Max Wright potentially to, to come back, Will Butt as well, who's been been promoted. He's really taking the opportunity with both hands and is kind of making that making that twelve shot his own a little bit. Yeah, really stepped up in in the absence of Cam Redpath. I don't think we would have seen him. Yeah, I don't think we would have seen him if, if Redpath. Had, well, we definitely wouldn't have seen him as much with Redpath had been hadn't got injured. So yeah, I, I was I was. I, I thought he was fantastic. I really do think he was great. You know, the only shining light in attack, all of the the breaks that we made came from from him. Obviously, got his first try, and yeah, it, mm. it was a brilliant. It was brilliant. It was really good to see, and and that was kind of the only thing that I think I can I can take away that was that was um, that, that was positive from the game. Yeah, the only other thing I would. I would say is you know it's something we've 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 spoken about on in, in previous seasons gone by, and that is ultimately by hook or by crook, and I don't know how we did it at the end when that you know they, Newcastle were right on our line and nearly went over at the last minute, but ultimately we did get that that one losing bonus point, and that is I know very very small consolation, 
but in the past when the kind of middle of the table kind of five through through ten has been so congested one of the things that we've said is that we've often been towards the lower end of picking up those those bonus points so um yeah small consolation but at the same time better than nothing yeah, I, I, I fear that we may not be looking in the five to ten bracket this season, but um, maybe I'm just I'm, I'm feeling a little bit too too negative. Tom, let's move on to. The, the, well, I think, well, you're going to move on to Bristol, or no? We're going to move on to the Thicter uh, scale reading uh, for for this week, and and thank you so much for for getting involved uh, on social media with this at Bath Rugby Plug. You know, a, a good host would say where we are on social media and, and where to find us at the start of the podcast. Um, but we haven't got one of those. So I'm going to tell you in the middle of the podcast to follow us at Bath Rugby Plug on Twitter. Tom, your thick to scale has gone down really well on there. Um, and I think the consensus amongst the fans um, is that the thick to rating is a two. So George Winton, the first half was probably the worst game of rugby I have ever seen. It is clearly it is clear that the woolly answers to how Bath is going to improve are just rubbish. And John Andrews exactly the same. Can we win before Christmas? Having been at the wreck and watched the full rerun on Monday, my Thicter rating is a two. And I actually concur, Tom, with the supporters, the followers on Twitter, the my Thicter scale rating. Um, remember that the, the, the thick to scale ranging from one to 10 on, on how thick or thin the performance at the weekend has been. I think for me, it was the, the three D's on Saturday, defence, discipline and depth and their age old issues that we've had for, for uh, a little while now. And, and they showed no signs of improving on, on Saturday. And, and yeah, with, with the schedule to come, I think it's a pretty dark day. Yeah, and that's the thing that really kind of, you know, was hanging over me, I think, the most when, when we lost. It wasn't necessarily that we lost to Newcastle in itself, but it was that that felt like such a must-win game to try and kickstart our season and just get that, that W on the board. Because as you say, it gets, it gets really tough. I mean, Bristol this, this Friday night, followed by Saracens at home, Harlequins, the, 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 the reigning champions away them wasps at home who beat Bristol at the weekend and are, are looking in quite a quite a nice nice vein of form. Um, and then Leicester away, who are, you know, arguably the surprise of the season. Well they are the surprise of the season so far, having recorded recorded two two good wins. Um, and then we're into the, the the Premiership Rugby Cup. And then November the the twenty seventh back into the Premiership and we have Exeter at home. Um, so that will be naught from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Naught from eight if we're unable to get, get a win there. And then into Northampton, Northampton away. I mean, you know, that's probably the best chance we've got in those in those in those next few games, potentially. So And, and then it's Europe. Yeah, and then, and then it's Europe. <laughs> you know, I, and my my concern is, and I think this would be this this is something that I can I can imagine Stuart Hooper um, potentially saying if if that does materialise in that way. My concern would be that we look at the ring fence league and we start to say let's write this season off and let's bring through the young guys, which we're already doing because of injuries. Uh, but let, let's bring through the young guys and let's kind of do what Gloucester did a little bit last season, certainly what Worcester were doing, um, and that's just give up on the league. And from a fan's perspective. Um, that makes it very, very difficult to to get behind a, a team and actually care 
if they're winning or losing. And if you don't care if they're winning or losing, then what's the point in in following a team? So yeah, it's it's potentially potentially a dark, dark day from that point of view. However, on the on the bright side of things, I think I'm tempering it slightly. So just just reading down the list of unavailable players. So Watson, Thokinasiga, Redpath, McConaughey, Cipriana, Spencer, Stewart, McNally, Underhill, Falatau, Boyce, all unavailable. Um, you know, I don't think many premiership squads would be able to kind of absorb those kind of losses and still be competitive um, given the salary cap in, in this league. So um, that's that's my only kind of... Uh, I guess excuse that I would I would have if I was if I was kind of kind of Stuart Hooper and sympathy that I have with those guys. So I'll go. I'm going to go for a, a thicker scale of three. Okay. Slightly you... above, slightly above all you negative, negative. <laughs> negative. Yeah, a, a particularly dark, um, a dark Saturday and a, and a really tough weekend. Um, a really tough weekend. I, I guess the only shining light I can see is we're still the top West Country team in the league, Tom. And we faced yeah. one of them on Friday night, Bristol away. Um, we've got tickets for this. Um, it will be very nice to catch up with you and talk about the boys in person for the first time in a little while. Um, maybe it's more before the game than after the game. We're going to come on to, to Bristol in a minute and um, look at kind of the previous, you know, everyone knows the record we've got there recently and look at you know, their performances so far this season, which have been frankly underwhelming. Um, but, but Tom, I think if, if you're going to take one guy to come back from a Bath point of view on, on Friday night, out of all those guys that you've mentioned there that you listed, I think some are more realistic than others, but of the realistic ones to come back, who's the one name that you're looking for when Stuart Hooper names his side on, on Thursday? Oh, that's a tough one. It's between two, and I think... Between Cipriani and, and Will Stewart for me, and I think that, that probably says more about the guys' performances who, who've been filling in, um, but I think I think they're key. Um, yeah, I think I think I think I'd go. I think I'd go Danny Cipriani. Mm. The tight prop in you there was was the only reason I think. Well, not the only. Reason. I can see the Stuart, but I, but I think Cipriani. You know, we spoke about the the two young halfbacks is is key for me on on Friday. Cipriani still has to go through the the concussion protocol just to give everyone a little bit of an update on where we are with some of these injuries. So so he'll be hopefully past all of the the, the stages that he has to go through. Obviously, he failed them last week uh, and be fit. Underhill, they are hopeful he'll be fit, having come off Under- against Newcastle. McConaughey's recovered from his illness, so he should be available. And I think it would be great to see him back. Stuart and McNally are in full training. And Stuart did go away with England. So fingers crossed for for some positive news. I think the other ones you mentioned, Dokunasiga, Spencer. You know, we're not going to see them for for a little while. But but I'd just be interested to see in terms of the team selection whether this bizarre to me it, useless England camp has any effect on on that team selection. I really hope it doesn't. I hope they come back and, and kind of are, are ready enough to go, and we do see all of those guys fit because I, I think we'll absolutely need them on Friday. We certainly will. Um, despite despite Bristol's 
record, Tom, which is obviously two losses so far this season. And that's the biggest smile I've seen from you in a, in a little while. The 9-26 loss at home to Saracens and then the 44-8, 44-8 loss to Wasps. Um, that really was, that really did make, make, make me smile. And I'm I, love as well that it, it, I love as well that it, it follows um, Pat Lamb being given like the longest contract in sporting history um, to stay at Cashton Gate, do you like that one? Um, <laughs> they and uh, you know all that all that stuff they were saying, and now they've they've gone they've gone zero from two. Um, what have you made of Bristol, Tom? Kind of if you if you can remove your your blue, black, and white tinted glasses, what have you made of them? Well, I didn't see the game against against Wasps. I must admit, um, yeah. Generally, given given seasons gone by, I've made um, I've made a bit of a. Um, I've tried to avoid watching Bristol as much as we say, as much as I can. Um, I thought against, I thought against Saracens, it was one of those games that was kind of made to Saracens' strengths a bit. It was quite nip and tuck. They were exchanging, um, exchanging penalties early doors, and they kind of turned it into the sort of arm wrestle um, that that Bristol don't like. I think when Bristol have struggled in in the last couple of seasons, it's when defenses get really up in their faces, um, cause them to make errors, cause them to make rash decisions in terms of playing from inside their own their own 22 and just suffocate them, really. Um, you know, that's something that we've been very, very poor at when we played against them. Um, you know, we said before that historically their style has just been all wrong from us playing that kind of disjointed rugby that opens up the fences and, um, and kind of really makes you have to communicate with the man, the man outside, the man outside you. So, um, you know, it's clearly been a tough, a tough start for them. Um, but as I say, I, I, I struggle to, to see a way that we, we will be successful against them. If Newcastle, who let's be honest, only have one attacking threat really in that back division, Adam Radwan, if, if they can make us look as, as frail as we did defensively at times, I think a wounded Bristol, um, could 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 turn it quite nasty, to be honest. Despite their their poor form, yeah, that, that is my fear as well. And I did actually watch the highlights of the, the the Bristol Wasps game, and and there were a couple of late tries which really did make yeah, it look. I think I think a lot worse than than, than what it actually was. Um, I think I think the one area that that really stood out to me from 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 watching them was their pack looked old. Like it looked old and slow. So uh, Thomas, um, what's his first name? Uh, the, the prop uh, and Lahiri, oh, yeah. Yeah. Atwood, Atwood and Vui in the second rows, and then Luatua and the thirty-five stone at this point. Nathan Hughes looked slow and old, and a lot of breakaway and, and tries from 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 wasps in, in what looked like a, a tired. Uh, Bristol pack in, the, in that second half so so whether they, they turn to, to some younger guys to, to freshen that area up I really have no idea but but that's kind of probably what I would look to do that that's what really stood out to me and, and coming back for them they, they have got Radrandra probably coming back on Friday Randall who was on the bench looks like he might start uh, and Sinclair I know has, has filed a request to the RFU, I guess, to, to be able to play and be released from his enforced Lions rest early. So we wait to hear on that as well. 
so yeah, I, I would really fear that, that that this is that this is a, a wounded Bristol ready to, to to prove a point and, and not one that, that that's kind of that, that that's actually going to slide down down the table this season. We yeah. remain nine point underdogs with the bookies and, it's and perfect, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, bad start to the season, home game against Bath. We've had a great record against. Um, ring a few changes to make Pat Lamb look like a genius, um, and, and and you know, um, put put some points on this. So yeah, I, you know, it'll be a fun night. It'll be nice to nice to watch watch live rugby again with um, you know, um, I was going to say with pack stands then, <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not holding out much confidence. But you know, as as Kevin Keegan would say, um, I will I will love it if we beat them. <laughs> love it. <laughs> But yeah, I think you. I think you use that every time we play, we play Bristol. I think that that that's your version of yeah. We've got no chance, but I would really enjoy. It. <laughs> that's what that. That's I'm what that to do. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Andrew, as well for joining us at the start of the podcast. Apologies if you found that one a little too negative, but I think it was it was um, the, the right tone from from what was a really disappointing performance and just reading the comments on social media that was the, the tone I think of a lot of Bath fans so so trying to get that across I think thank you so much for listening um, we hope you're enjoying our season four of the podcast we hope you're enjoying it slightly more than you're enjoying the performances on the field if you are please share with a friend that is what I'll ask of you this week and also stick behind the boys through thick and thin <laughs>